Welcome to Face Your Faith with West Kenyon. It is our hope that today's study will encourage you to grow deeply in your relationship with God as we study the Word together. Now let's join West for today's study. Our topic today is on the baby Christian. And as usual, we are going to answer a question and that of what is a baby Christian? And this could either sound cute or like a cut down, but it's neither. It's just a place in one's life, just like being a newborn baby. It is what it is. However, the goal is that you don't stay in that place. The major difference is, however, that the majority of babies grow into adults and you really can't stop that process if they are being fed proper foods and have a healthy digestive system to absorb the nutrients in that food. Notice I said the majority of babies grow into adults. I did not say the majority of babies grow up into mature adults. And the same goes with Christians. Sadly, there are not many Christians that mature into healthy adult Christians. Certainly, every Christian wants to believe that they are mature and capable of eating solid food, as in absorbing the Word of God and properly digesting it and growing from it. But that is sadly just not the case overall. Just because we go to church and read the Bible and go to Bible studies and hang out with others who call themselves Christians has no bearing on whether or not we mature if we are not properly consuming the Word of God and digesting it. Look at it this way. It is no different than going to a restaurant, looking at the menu, and hanging out with other foodies, and perhaps even studying the food on your plate. Because none of that will have any effect on your getting the nourishment you need from it if you don't stop and have the desire, the need, to eat it. And eating is a very personal thing, as far as I know. Most of us would prefer not to be fed by someone else. I know that could be argued by pastors and theologians who say, my job is to feed the flock. Well, yes and no, and I'm becoming more convinced as time goes by that the majority of churches are trying to spoon-feed everyone, which is promoting malnutrition, which in turn is the result of severely stunted growth among believers. Let me explain. I love cooking, and my wife and I love to entertain, with lots of good food. In fact, food in abundance with leftovers. One could say I am feeding the flock of guests who come to my home to eat. In one sense, yes, I am feeding them inasmuch as I am providing food for them to eat. And that is one definition of feeding. But on the other hand, I am not feeding them because that can also mean I have my guests in high chairs and I am coming around asking them to open wide so I can shovel food in their mouths for them. And I can assure you that I, at least as of now, have not had to feed any of our dinner guests. And I think I can safely say if I were to try to spoon feed any of my guests, it would not go over very well at all and for good reason. And what's that good reason? Because our guests are very capable of doing that activity on their own. They know better at this point, or at least have a good understanding of the general area the food should end up. Again, notice I did not say they always get the food in the right place. And that is exactly why we have placemats and napkins and backup napkins to mop up the food that never makes it into the mouth. This is also an example of who we are when we are consuming the Word of God. Sometimes it doesn't all end up in the right place and some of it falls all over the ground because we are not being careful and maybe because we are trying to get it all in at once. In addition to all that, I do not want to be told how I should eat or for that matter, what I should eat and when I should eat it. I'm stubborn, just like most of you are in that department. We know what, when, and why we should eat good, healthy food and not junk food. 
but we often don't do a very good job of that. And even if we do a good job with our diet, there are many other aspects of our lives that we consume all the wrong things and because of that, don't grow properly. So instead of spoon feeding you as in attempting to shovel God's word into your face, all I need to do is serve it to you, not feed it to you. I need to be a good host with God's word and make sure as you dine on it, you know exactly what you are eating and making sure if you need seconds, thirds, or fourths, I have it ready to serve up. Let me be very clear. Dining on God's word is not always easy to swallow and or digest and sometimes doesn't seem palatable at all. You might see something on your plate you know you hate and don't even want to try it. You move it back and forth with your fork in hopes that your host will think you are eating it. And when asked, how is everything? You lie and say, oh, it's wonderful, just scrumptious, just like my mother used to make it. But what if you just tried it? Maybe this time it was prepared in a way you never had it before. Maybe you had one or two bad experiences with the Brussels sprouts kind of Christian or church. And so you decided to never try them again. Is that wise? Could you really be shortchanging yourself on something amazing? But perhaps your host encouraged you just to try one because it wasn't prepared in the usual way. And they were roasted with butter, garlic, bacon drippings, and freshly grated Romano cheese, and a light sprinkle of sea salt and freshly ground black pepper. And some of us will take the plunge and try it one more time, and others of us will not. Some will refuse, even knowing it certainly can't hurt them in any way. Worst thing that can happen is we know for sure this is the last time, and we won't ever try it again no matter what. Because what if you do taste it again and like it? What if it is a great experience because the last time you had Brussels sprouts, they were boiled in water without salt and someone had fed them to you and told you they were truly good and you had to enjoy it. And that is just like many Christians and churches that serve up a lot of unpalatable experiences in the name of God that are truly repulsive. But that shouldn't mean you don't taste it a few more times before you walk away. And I beg you not to do that. Don't shortchange yourself in stubbornness against God. Remember, you are not battling people, you are battling God with rejection. So what's the point here? Too many people around the world have had bad experiences with God's word and church and being spoon-fed and told this is exactly what you are to eat and experience, like it or not, because that is what God expects of you. Tragically, too many of us have not at all had a pleasant experience in the place God's word is served up the restaurant known as church, and still many more are done trying the restaurant churches with the understanding that it's all prepared the same weird way, no matter where you go. And so people are leaving as baby Christians and attempting to find a better, more tasty way to grow that at least looks more appetizing. But that is not what God calls us to do. He calls us to be together, dining on his word in communion, both figuratively and literally at the same table. And so the Starbucks churches are opening on every block and have lines out the door because this is where you can have it made your way. You can make it as sweet or unsweet as you desire. You might even be offered an extra shot or two of worship to get your God groove on. And all this is not what God desires of us in our life with him and our relationship with him and our way of properly growing in him. How do we know this? Let's take a look at 2 Timothy 4.3. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. More simply put, don't belly up to the bar and ask for a religious cocktail of your choice. Oh, it'll be tasty, all right, but it will quickly keep you from walking straight. In the same manner, don't go to the restaurant 
and wait to be spoon-fed or force-fed. Now let's look at our first passage and see Jesus' example and that he never spoon-fed us. Rather, he always just provided and provides us something to eat, and it is our job to pick it up and eat it. So let's look at a great example of just how Jesus does this in this very famous passage of Matthew 14, 15 through 21. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, We have only five loaves here and two fish. And Jesus said, Bring them here to me. And then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and leftovers. And those who ate were about five thousand men, besides women and children. That is such an amazing passage to me. We see explicitly here in this passage that Jesus provided food and those who wished to participate in eating it could freely do so. Notice Jesus never said, you should eat this, you have to eat this, because if you don't, you're bad and going to hell. And while hell is a very real place, and if you choose not to eat from the hand of God, our destiny is indeed eternal separation from God. Nonetheless, we must first humbly serve others and let them taste and eat for themselves. And on a side note, this topic will be tying into a text for next week's study on how to evangelize or tell others about our relationship with God and not terrifying them or giving them good reason to dislike us. But more on that next week. Back to it. Here's yet another great example of Jesus providing for us and not feeding us. John 6, 5. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Here it is again. If anyone eats of this bread, not you're going to sit down and eat of this bread or else. He simply said, if you eat, you will live forever. Turn that around. If you don't eat, you will not live forever. But if you dine on the reversed scenario and it makes you sick to the stomach, that you will not live forever. I think you will definitely think twice before you reject the good food. But remember this, God is not going to spoon feed you a relationship with him in hopes you will like it. Notice Jesus did not beat people over the head with fire, brimstone, and damnation. The liver and onion sermon. Nor did he sugarcoat it and sweetly tell everyone, it'll be okay and we're all good. The Starbucks sermon. I should say I have nothing in particular against Starbucks. It just popped into my head while I was writing this and can only imagine had Starbucks been around when Paul was writing his many letters to the various churches, I have a feeling even he would have mentioned it. And considering many churches serve a better coffee than they do the Word of God. And so I am convinced that too many of us have had a very bad experience from the time we were a baby in the restaurant slash coffee shop called church and feel as though the only thing that was served was liver and onions or Starbucks, and many seem to be getting tired of it. Tired of the show, the performance, the pretending, the hypocrisy, and many have told me they just want to get serious, get real, and get honest with God. Crazy enough, that sounds like godly worship and exactly what God wants of us. Maybe more of us would grow up and out of our toddler stage in our relationship with God if we did get real and got serious. So how are we supposed to grow in a way that pleases and honors God, and how are we to provide the appropriate food to those who are new in their faith with God? Don't get creative, don't get cute, 
Don't be sweet and don't be harsh. Get honest. Get real. Stick to God's word and follow his lead and example of how to serve up his word to the best of your ability under his authority. And how do we serve up God's word to the best of our ability to baby Christians and mature Christians as well? The only way we can do that is if we are in the kitchen with God, continually tasting and eating what God is serving up to us. Because when we are in the kitchen with God, our palate will begin to acquire new tastes and we will begin to enjoy what we didn't used to like and things that tasted bad then will taste delicious now. Again, God is a take it or leave it God. And I think that is such an amazingly loving and kind and wonderful experience he left us with. No forcing the matter with baby food or adult food. And here's another example from scripture. 1 Peter 2.2, like newborn infants, long for pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Wow, listen to that. No forcing the bottle down the throat to grow up into salvation. Notice it says pure spiritual milk, not just spiritual milk. It says long for the bottle. You need to desire it and be hungry for it. Listen carefully, however, as it concludes, that you may not like what you taste. And again, That is your decision. And if you don't drink and eat, you will not live. Doesn't this go right back to our last passage? No threats. Jesus just a living, breathing example of who to be and who not to be. How to live and how not to live. How to mature and how not to mature. And how and what to eat and what not to eat. Take it because you are hungry or leave it if you don't like it. And this to me is such amazing love. So how does this relate to the church preaching and promoting malnutrition? Let's look at Hebrews 5, 12 through 14. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. However, this seems to contradict the passage from 1 Peter 2 too. After all, it says crave pure spiritual milk, but our passage from Hebrews does not say anything about craving pure spiritual milk. It simply indicates that those who are teaching are babies and have no teeth to even chew on the meat of God's word and so are valueless in teaching. And ever so sadly, as I mentioned earlier, this passage is a direct indictment from God to so many church leaders today. But this is also a very strong indictment to every believer to check themselves and allow others to check them. Again, God desires we stay in the kitchen with him, tasting and eating everything he serves up, and then go and feed the world. Just make sure when you, quote, feed the world, that you don't spoon feed them, and that you do not control how they eat and how much they eat and when they eat it. Your job is to serve them what God has given you from the kitchen of Scripture. But before you go serving others this food, make sure you are still not a child, nursing from a bottle of ignorance, but rather craving pure spiritual milk and meat. So what is on the menu that we need to eat and digest from God's kitchen in order to eat solid, mature Scripture food that is nourishing to us and to others. 2 Peter 1, 5-8. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, 
and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Make sure your plate is full of these things and that you are making every effort to consume these things in order that you will be full and ready to share your abundance with others who are hungry. In closing and in prep for next week, who are we to invite to dinner and serve with dignity and honor and authenticity? Friends, family, and neighbors we hope will eat our food and compliment us. To the contrary, Romans 12:20. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. And to do that for your enemies takes someone in the kitchen with God who is eating solid, big girl, big boy food masterfully prepared and given to us to eat by God for our health and salvation so we will have the strength to serve others. Go eat, go feast at God's table, and when you are filled up, go and feed the others, even those you hate, or let's be more PC, those you intensely despise. Let's grow up and get real together and keep trying new things from the hand of God to His honor and glory for our good and our growth in Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for inviting us to your kitchen, to your table, to eat with you and all the amazing things you have prepared just for us. For those of us who are living on milk, plain old formula, awake us from that place of immaturity and help us to see the solid foods we must consume to grow to your honor and glory. Help us to crave that pure spiritual milk you so want us to have. Keep us from rejecting what we don't like because it's new to us. Please fill us with courage and excitement to willingly crave what we have never seen in you before and all that you have waiting for us each and every day of our lives. Help us to take what seems like risk in faith for you and trust you that you will only provide the best, the most exceptional food in all circumstances. And now let us ask God for our nourishment, our sustenance, our food for today, just as he taught us to ask for it, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. If you are joining us by podcast, please visit our website at faceyourfaith.com for more information and resources. 